Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. We are broadcasting live on the High Velocity Radio Show and the Business Radio X Network. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the show with coaching collaborative, Miss Carrie Walls. How are you? I'm good. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Carrie, before we get too far into things, can you share a little bit about your practice, Coaching Collaborative? How do you serve folks? I serve folks now all remotely. Uh, I've been in business three and a half years, and I do one-on-one coaching with business owners, uh, wanting to take it to the next level, get out of a mom-and-pop orientation, executives, and um, communication with executive teams, as well as I coach coaches on being more effective in sales. Is that a hole you see in a lot of coaches swing is the sales element? Like they're good at the coaching part, but they're not good at the selling part. Absolutely. And I think most of us are uncomfortable with sales. Um, it has a bad rap and we've all been sold to badly. So sometimes I think coaches really want to serve people but they get uncomfortable about sales because they don't want to do to other people what's been done to them, (laughs) you know, manipulate, coerce, those kind of things. So helping people to learn to do that in an orientation that is around service and it's authentic, I think helps people be effective. Now, how did you kind of um, become comfortable with selling? How come you don't have those uh, biases that some of the coaches have? Uh, lots and lots of practice, uh, just from being a small business owner a long time ago. And then I was in a firm and, uh, rose from an individual producer up to the CEO and was in charge of sales for the company. So I helped other people, uh, develop novice coaches, develop their sales ability and get more effective. And I really love sales. I'm one of those odd ducks who really <laughs> likes to do it. And to me, it is the same as coaching. People hold it like a separate thing to do, but it, it's not. It's the same. It's the same as a session with somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, people hold it like they have to get someplace or they have an agenda. But it's really just listening to people, hearing what their concerns are, and seeing how you can help them. And if you're the right fit or not. I mean, as, yeah. that's what I find is that when you're talking to someone and you're just trying to help them, Helping them might be, you should go somewhere else because they can help you better than I can help you. Um, exactly. Yeah. Because part of what I'd be listening to it for in an initial conversation with someone, is it a good fit? Can I help them? Can I see how to help them? Can I see what's getting in their way based on what they're talking about or what their situation is that they're challenged with? Now, I uh, earlier today I had the opportunity to interview a, a CEO of a law firm. And she talked about how important having a coach was in her practice and that she had come from a large organization, you know, one of those mega law firms into her own boutique firm. And she thought it was critical to have a coach to help her with the business side of things. Do you find that um, a lot of business owners are 
are um, not leveraging the, the benefits of coaching? Absolutely. And I find that all people are often trained in their area of expertise. Like your example you just gave was an attorney. Um, she, they're trained on being an attorney. They're not trained on how to run a business. So, uh, and they often get stuck in the delivery of whatever they're good at. And they tend to not pay attention to sales and marketing or the cash flow or the finances and profit and loss. And you have to learn to hold it all and not just do it on on your weekends as an afterthought. <laughs> right. And it, right, what she was saying that uh, she went to a good law school, she worked for a, a mega firm, and she's like, I never learned any of this. And nobody taught me any of this stuff, of the, right. the stuff that you were describing that's not even part of yeah. the curriculum. Well, coaching helps you ideally produce results faster. So if you have a coach, you're going to get to where you want to get to faster. Otherwise, you'll just make mistakes, which is fine. It's a great way to learn, but if you can avoid the obvious mistakes, and it just provides a structure um, of fulfillment to help people be effective and keep their eye on the business. Now, you mentioned in your practice you work both with executives and you work with coaches. What What is the split? Is it mostly executives or mostly uh, coaches? At coaches and consultants, um, it's probably 30 percent coaches and consultants. Um, I work with partnerships. The thread in my business model underneath everything is communicate, building communication, having effective communication and building relationship because that's what people often neglect. And we even label some of those things as, quote, soft skills. But I just had an example yesterday where a client, because of the work I've been doing with them in their business partnership, helps serve a vendor in a way that they would have lost that customer who's a million to two million dollar customer. But they were able to kind of course correct, communicate, get back on relationship, hear each other, and deliver on the project. So it's not an afterthought. It's really important. Right. It's kind of built in. It becomes part of the DNA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, because it's people working together that helps things work. That's how you coordinate action. All business results get produced from people working well together. Right. And if you don't have clarity in your messaging or you don't, you're not a good communicator, then people misinterpret or they jump to conclusions or they don't give you the benefit yeah. of the doubt and then all kinds of bad things happen. Right. And I find it's where people suffer the most. You know, it's what you take home with you is where a relationship at work isn't going well. It's the thing that keeps you up at night. So if you can help have yourself be more effective in communication, it helps in all areas and helps your well-being, too. Now, because of your uh, background and because of your work, you have an interesting kind of uh, view, I think, of this relationship, both with from the client side and from the coaching side. Uh, do you have any mm -hmm. tips you can share about how not to waste money with coaching? Because I can see that some people are hungry for some sort of a solution and they just jump at the first coach that knocks on their door. Um, but I can uh -huh. see that this can be a big waste of time and it could be not an effective use of your resources. Right. That's a, that's a great question. Um, there's, the coaching field can be a little bit of a wild, wild west out there, I think. I have both 
a master's of counseling psychology and a lot of coaching experience. Um, and I, I, I hear horror stories sometimes about people's experiences with coaches. So I think trusting yourself, do they really listen to you? Um, do they listen to your specific situation or do they become formulaic? Uh, are they going through a spiel? Are they trying to pitch to you or sell to you really quickly without understanding your situation? That's generally not a good sign because we're not categories. We're people. We're individual people with um, challenges that we want to address. So do you feel heard? Do they ask good questions? Do they spend some time building a relationship with you uh, so that they really understand you? And do they have a track record? in the area you're wanting to produce results? Have they been effective? Can they give you examples and case studies like that? Now, do you, um, what, what what's your take on a lot of these kind of coaching methodologies that are out there? Or do you follow one of them or do you have a favorite or do you have some that people should avoid? Or do, like, what's your opinion on, you know, all of the, it seems like there's quite a few out there of specific coaching methodologies. Right. I'm not all the way familiar with them because I've been coaching for almost 20 years and I was coached on the job by some really fantastic coaches and also from some not great coaches. So sometimes I say, you know, my worst boss taught me how to be a boss. <laughs> some of my worst coaching <laughs> taught me how not to coach. Um, so I have enough experience and mastery that I kind of pull the models that will make a difference with the client in the conversation we're having. So I think it's really important to care about the client, care about the result, and really a session is just about at the end of the session, do they see new action to take? Do they... um because they, when they come to you at the beginning of the session, they've tried everything they know how to do to produce a result, and somehow it's not working or it's not effective. So in a session, I'm always listening, like, what do you want? And then also at the end, did you get what you want? And uh, do you see new actions to take that you didn't see to take an hour ago? Because that's my measure of an effective session. So that if there's like kind of an actionable event that can occur right after so that there is a next step. Yeah. And it's a different action than they saw. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain. So there's relief and they'll see, Oh, okay. I see what to do now. Whereas before when they start, usually they're stuck or something happened that didn't go according to plan or they might be upset, whatever it is. Now in your background, you worked as, um, not just a coach, but you actually were doing some of the work too. Like a coach, that's the difference, right? A coach is somebody who is um, kind of giving you kind of a path to go, but ultimately you have to kind of walk the walk, whereas a consultant is mm -hmm. more hands-on and actually doing the work. Is there a, an overlap in your practice or is it strictly kind of advice-driven? Well, I wouldn't say it's advice-driven. Uh, it's producing, helping them produce the results they want. Um, but you're giving them, but you're, you're the nudging them going in there and, and fixing it. it right. Them. But you're nudging them or, or giving them, uh, the opportunity to self-discover, uh, 
um, where they should go and what path to go down? Yeah. Well, people, when they're, I find that people request coaching when they're pretty frustrated. Like I always say, like they request it six months too late, just because not too late, <laughs> but we, we often are slow to ask for help and assistance. Um, so by the time we do it, we're kind of desperate and like, ah, this isn't working. So, um, it's important to hear what the results they're wanting and they will have tried everything they see to do to impact the situation, but they haven't been able to. And the reason they haven't been able to is because their actions that are in their blind spot or out of their awareness, like maybe they're doing something in the relationship that's making it even more challenging than it should be, or they're doing something that's getting in their own way. Um, so coaching is about kind of shining the light on the area that's out of their awareness, having a strong enough relationship with them so they can hear what I'm saying, because we don't like feedback sometimes when it's out of our awareness. And, um, and then seeing that if they approached it in a new way, they might create a different result. Can you walk me through, like, what's it like that um, somebody just gets on your radar or they, they, they were told, hey, you should call Carrie. Um, what does that mm-hmm. first kind of initial conversations look like at the beginning of the coaching relationship? Uh, I do an initial complimentary call because I just want to understand their situation. If I have a chance before we talk, I'll tell them to think about a couple things, like, Where do they want to get to? Like, what's their vision or their goals or the future they're trying to create? And then what are the challenges and obstacles that they're running into creating that? So I'll just listen and get and ask questions about that, um, probably for at least 45 minutes. Uh, I don't, I just really want to understand what they're facing and who they are and how I might help. And then they'll usually ask, okay, how do we work together? Uh, what, what's the format look like or what's next? They often, if you listen really well, they just ask you that. It's not like you have to get them someplace or make a request. I mean, sometimes I'll say, do you want to know what's next? If they don't, if it seems like a good fit to me. Mm-hmm. And then um, from that point, then you just do everything virtually. Like, you do you use just the phone, or is it Skype? Like, do you prefer video where you can see their face? Uh, what what works best for you? I do phone, and I've done phone for a long time. I just moved. I switched Portland's from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. Oh wow! So I went. <laughs> I know. I went all virtual. So that's a little bit of a different experience for me, but. It works fine with my clients. I'm the one who misses seeing them (laughs) most. (laughs) But um, so so that's what I do. I usually have a very informal, it's not even a contract. I'll, after the first complimentary session, if they want to proceed, I'll just summarize what I heard and I'll say, this is what we're working on. This is what you can expect. This a little bit of the format and how to pay and all that. And then we proceed from there. And is it a combination of on the phone, you know, talking and working through things and like email, is there homework? Is there like um, check-ins 
you know, using other technologies or is it just, okay, every two weeks I call Carrie? It's generally I work weekly with people and part of the agreement is I'm available for email questions and short phone calls in between because life doesn't happen <laughs> on a weekly <laughs> <By> rhythm, <laughs> <session>. yeah. <laughs> you know, like something may happen in between. And I find that people, if they really use that and not everyone does, they move faster. And I've never had anybody call too much or ask too much of me. So it hasn't been ever over the top. If they ask for help, there'll be a course correction. Like I had this one recently, a client really having difficulty with uh, a customer and a project and making it happen. And she had almost like an abusive conversation coming at her. So she called, got her oriented. She went back in. And what's happened is they really saved a million to $2 million client by her communication because it wasn't going to go that way. So her ability to ask for help in between, like knowing when it's gone south, then helped her produce a result that was unpredictable. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. All right, gang, it's time for my favorite part of the show, which is where I get to ask a question that might help Stone be a better coach. Carrie, I'm not out in the open marketplace as a coach, but I do find myself wearing that hat here at Business Radio uh -huh. X as a, a mentor, a coach, a confidant, a, a, a springboard, something to help our studio partners, you know, people who are part of our family and run Business Radio X Studios across the, the country. I finally, I really do think I got over the, my first hurdle, which was feeling like, oh, yes, Stone, you really do have some specialized knowledge and, and you, you should be trying to help these people. You know a thing or two about using this platform to help people make more money and, and help more people. So I got over that uh -huh. hump. Now what I'm finding, <laughs> I, I do think I'm reasonably effective in short burst over a beer, in a quick phone call, <laughs> over an email. What I don't have, and you and Lee touched on this a moment ago, I don't have like this methodology, and, and maybe I shouldn't be looking for one, but I guess I am thirsty for some a framework, or maybe it's just maybe it's just a handful of disciplines, some key, some do's and don'ts to, to make that interaction, those exchanges with my uh, clients, I'll call them, uh, you know, a, a little more. Uh, structured a should i be seeking that and if so any counsel at all that you might have for me on um uh, i don't know framework disciplines do's don'ts rules of the game kind of thing uh -huh. that would be great okay okay well i think um related to your methodology question a little bit ago i think sometimes the methodologies get in people's way so i don't think it's a drawback that you don't have one i think it's most important especially at the beginning, is to build relationship. And relationship, to me, how I describe it, is a three-legged stool. One of the legs is trust, one is respect, and the other one is shared purpose. So if any one of those is short, the stool falls over. 
So you really want to build relationship first and build trust, respect, and like, why would they be interested in what you're promoting and vice versa? How does shared purpose, how does that help them? How does it help both of you? How is it a win-win? So that's, that's the most important thing. And, um, people often go into like the offer or something like that way too soon. You got to build enough relationship so that people are interested and do that for a while. Well, because then they'll trust you and, um, be more and more interested in what you have to offer. I find everywhere people sell or go into that agenda way too, not like you should ever go into an agenda, but they just go too soon there before they listen, listen first, build relationship. Listening is the best way to build relationship. Be really curious about them, their operation, what they want, and then you can hook it up with what you're doing. Well, that, that makes, help? yes, it does help. And in a lot of ways, not the least of which is it makes me feel a lot better about not having this magic methodology or seven steps that we have to go through on each call. Um, cause it does feel pretty organic. I, so I'm going to quit worrying about methodology. Okay. That sounds always a good idea. <laughs> if it's, if it's formulaic, it lands formulaic to the client, the customer, the person you're talking to. It's not authentic. It's not real. And yeah. then that doesn't build trust. So if you actually care about the people, you care about what they're doing, you care about helping them, you'll have more business. Well, thank you for that because I, I actually, <laughs> I'm feeling pretty blessed because I do feel like that, um, I do think I have that relationship with all eight. I said we had nine. We're one of the nine, Lee and I. Uh, uh-huh. So, but I, I do. And so I, I'm getting the sense that, that going after and trying to make this too structured could actually, um, I could lose ground on the relationship front that we've already gained because we do trust each other. We do respect each other and we do have right. shared purpose. Um, so that makes me feel a lot, feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, I think it's important. To, and then on top of that is to consistently provide value in what the interactions are. So it, yeah. what you're doing really helps them because I think that's the other thing. There's a lot of stuff out there to help uh, coaches, business coaches find a prospect like through LinkedIn done for you programs. I get like four or five every day uh, saying I can help you build six, seven figures, blah, blah, blah. But if you prospect and you have potential without providing value, they won't last. So it's like really how do you consistently buy value, create value and have what you're offering pay for itself and help them do better at what they're doing. Good stuff. Well, Carrie, um, I'd like to know about the name Coaching Collaborative. I sense that that wasn't an accident, that you spent a lot of time deciding on that, and I want to know the thought process behind choosing the word collaborative. That's a good question. I really value collaborating with my clients. Um, I'm not, I don't have the answers. I'm not giving advice. I really hold them as the expert on them and their businesses. 
Um, so it's a collaborative process. They, I want them always to check in and see, does what I'm saying make sense? Does it feel appropriate? Is it fits their own style? So I never want to be like the authority. Um, and, and the other way I'm, I'm really value collaborative leadership style. I think a lot of businesses are run kind of command control style and that keeps a lid on the revenue that they can produce because the person barking the commands always has to be around to bark commands. Um, and if you're collaborative with your people, they step up, they engage at a whole different level. Lots of times what puts a lid on the business is um, not getting not the owner not being able to replicate themselves. So with a collaborative style, uh, you can replicate much more effectively. And I thought it was the alliteration. <laughs> it just sounds cool. <laughs> that too. <laughs> so now when you're working with, because uh, a lot of times you work with uh, the team, right? Like partners, you don't just work with individuals. Is that right? Yes, both. So and Sometimes I work with executive teams. So if you're working with a team, is that in a group manner or you're working with each of the, the uh, constituents individually? Uh, it can be both. With partners, when I start, I often work with them each individually because the more they can learn to generally be more effective in communication, then when you bring them together, the, it, the, it'll move faster. Now, um, in your in your practice over time, do you have any stories that you can share? Uh, maybe uh, some work you've done with somebody. You don't have to name any names, but you made a big impact that you were able to... Um, you know, help them get to the next level or achieve the outcome they desired in a surprising manner? Um, good question. I I just gave that result. It's kind of keeps in my head the, this recent right. one this week with that person. Um, I had have a, let's say, consultant <laughs> who uh, – had a bad hire and then got kind of gun shy about hiring and really to take her business to the next level, she really needed to hire and be able to have employees um, think the way she did, have all this orientation, how she does. So she'd look at it. So I'm just helping her hire so she can grow, pick the right person. And she had no training program either about, and often Business owners don't realize how much gold they have inside of them. It's just like the water they swim in. They just think, oh, everyone thinks that way. So another thing we do is kind of extricate the gold out of her. So it's in writing. It's in video. Other people can learn it. So And there's some sort of plan to do it. So they're moving in that direction and really want to make an impact on their entire field. Now, when you're having that kind of conversation where you're saying, okay, look, you have so much thought leadership that has to be kind mm -hmm. of taken out of your brain and then just be disseminated in some manner, whether it's just thought leadership for education purposes or, or consulting that you're selling, is that, that must be a great conversation because like you said, a lot of people take that for granted. And when they start probably listing and you start going over topics and, and things they could be doing with it, it, it becomes kind of this huge, um, resource for the organization. Yeah, for sure. Now, do and you, actually to the field. 
Yeah. Right. And now, do you have a, like, how do you go about doing that? How, do you just start with kind of brainstorming? Okay, let's come up with topics for a blog or just, like, how do you, how do you kind of do that? Because it seems like it's, it's so large of an undertaking. How do you kind of attack that? Well, it depends on the individual. This person has been on TV and radio a lot in the local area. So there are lots of videos of her and, and she's quite good at what she does. So it just depends. It's customized what I do to the individual and it's um, helping them see that they're not like everybody else because people often think that they're like everybody else. Like I'm like all the other attorneys or architects or financial planners and they're not. They're usually extraordinary in some way. So if they can be able to own that, they can raise their prices and also train other staff to think the way they do. And often they're generating principles or values or mission. If that gets articulated, then other people can act from those. And to the owner, they're often like, assumed or like duh like everyone but right. it's it's not obvious <laughs> right obviously now um before we wrap we'd like to ask um all of our guests to share some actionable pieces of, of advice for a new coach and since we started the conversation uh talking about sales i'd like you to share a little bit of a, maybe some sales tips for a new coach uh on how they can get their practice up and running if they're new to the coaching coaching world I think the most important thing and the biggest mistake people make in sales is they jump to selling too soon so really listen to people create relationship understand what they're trying to achieve and really help them own their value um, it helps I was told when I started, when I went out on my own, it takes three to five years. And at first I thought, no, it's not going to take me three to five years. But it takes three to five years to build that. <laughs> so having some reserves so that you're not desperate and in survival, because that'll just get in your way, because there's a learning curve. And you need a little grace as you learn so you can become more effective and have some case studies. And then, uh, so you have to, that you don't want to pick the wrong clients. That's probably a trap too, right? Yeah. Well, and there's a learning curve around that, even figuring out who your ideal client is and what clients kind of jazz you. What are your strengths? When do you hang up the phone or, you know, at the end of the session say, that was great. I want more of that. You know, so how do you define that for yourself? I think it's important based on your experience, your track record, and what you love to do. Now, do you specialize in a certain industry or a certain um, type of client, or is it kind of uh, industry agnostic, your work? Yeah, I go across industries. I've done all sorts of things because communication relationship is everywhere, <laughs> and right. most of us have something to learn to be more effective in communication and relationship. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Uh, can you share the website or if somebody wants to learn more and have a more substantive conversation with you? Sure. It's um, coachingcollaborative.com. 
All right. And I'm just Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y at coachingcollaborative.com. Good stuff, Carrie. Thank you again for sharing your story. Um, I appreciate it. And that was some great advice. And thank you for helping Stone. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate being on. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 